So here we go with week number two in a series that I am calling Tune Up. Uh, a spiritual tune-up, as it were, that, that addresses and looks at the ways that we as God's people can pay a little bit of attention to the spiritual health of our own souls in ways that maybe, like a car, can have a tune-up to be as healthy as possible. I, I started this last week and, and told the story about the, uh, the Subaru that I have for my kids to drive and, and the way that it uh, threw a tension belt that I had to replace at one point. And you know, I, a little bit more about how I got that car and what that car means that'll help set up what we're looking at today. That, that's a car that I bought from a friend of mine, a friend who knows cars and knows how to fix cars. And in fact, what he does is, is he finds cars that are broken down and need repair, and he will buy those and fix them up and then sell them again. That's sort of his side hobby that he does to make a little extra money on the side. So he found this car, this Subaru, that was broken down. The engine didn't run and bought it to fix and needed a whole new engine put inside of it. So dropped a whole new engine in it and then sold it again. That's how we got it. A car that actually looks rather well maintained from the outside. Well washed and waxed and taken care of. Uh, never been in an accident, so no dents or things that are cracked or broken around the outside of it. For being a car that exists in Michigan, where you've got winters to deal with here, surprisingly for the age of the car, very little rust or deterioration taking place. It, it looks like a really good car, but the engine didn't work. So I had to replace that. And, and here's how that happened, that, that someone along the line, the, the person who owned it right before that, uh, a younger person who was a college student, took good care of washing and waxing and, and making sure that car was clean and always looking good, but never changed the oil, ever, for as long as this person owned the car. And, and all right, so those of you who know cars and, and take good care of cars, I mean, I can see right now, oh, what are you thinking? You can't do that. Uh, so this person didn't know that, though, or, or just didn't care. And, and you know how it is, those of us who own cars, that, yeah, every so many miles or so many months or however it is, you either take it to the service department dealer or to one of the quick oil change shops or, or maybe you're the kind of person who you've got the tools and the know-how and it's not that hard really to change oil yourself. You can do that. So we know how that goes. There are certain things that we do from time to time to maintain a car like that. Change the oil, have the radiator flushed, and make sure the coolant level is topped off in full. Brake fluid, make sure the brake pads are not worn down too thin, but have it just right so that all those things that we do to make sure the car runs smoothly. Well, this person didn't pay attention to any of that. She kept it washed and waxed and polished and the interior vacuumed and cleaned and no stains or spills. It looked really good, except that the engine oil just got dirtier and dirtier and built up with sludge. And, and eventually, the oil level dropped enough that there was no oil pressure left at all. So the pistons and the friction of the engine running burned it out to the point where the entire engine block just cracked, had a split in it, and it, then it's done. No engine, won't start, won't run. It didn't matter how good it looked on the outside. 
because no one paid attention to how clean it was in the engine on the inside. And that ended up ruining the whole car to the point of needing a whole new engine put in it so that it could run again. They didn't have cars back in the time when Jesus lived and walked and taught on this world, but Jesus tells a, actually a very similar story in some sense. And that's what we're going to look at today. So this comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, where Jesus is doing a teaching that, that is focused in his audience. He is talking here to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, those who were in charge of the religious life in Jewish society at that time. And he has some rather harsh words for them. But that's what we're going to look at today. Matthew 23, beginning at verse 23, here's what Jesus says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. I love that verse. Jesus so often uses hyperbole, intentional exaggeration to make a point. He's so good at that. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean out the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, You are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, this is a bit of a harsh passage for us to be looking at today. You know, so often when we read words of Jesus or we talk about Jesus or we sing songs about Jesus, doesn't it seem like it's always a happy message? Jesus is loving and forgiving and merciful, that he embraces sinners who come to him. That's so often how we picture and think about Jesus. This passage maybe feels a little bit uncharacteristic for Jesus in the way that we so often prefer to think about Jesus, right? It it feels like it's a little bit off for Jesus to be so harsh and condemning. But words like this are in the Bible. And it seems often that when Jesus does speak harshly like this, it's focused in certain directions. Most often, it's coming at the religious elite in the Jewish society of that time. 
And most often, the thing that he's calling out is hypocrisy. He mentions that several times in this passage, that he's calling out the religious elite for hypocrisy, for looking one way on the outside, but being something completely different on the inside, and how that works in their lives, in their society, in the time that they lived. So what do we take from that today? How do we consider that? Because let's, let's be honest for a moment. There, there may be some people here for who maybe, maybe you don't consider yourself religious or you're just trying to learn about faith or follow Jesus. But, but I think for most of us, maybe even all of us here, we would consider ourselves religious people. That that I am a person of faith and I strive to follow Jesus and, and I've been that way in my life for some time. So, in some way, I'm the audience of a passage like this. That I'm the one that Jesus is speaking to here. Maybe many of us, all of us are. That should give us a little bit of pause this morning. Pause to think about what is Jesus really after here. If, if we're going through this series looking at the idea of a spiritual tune-up, what is it that we ought to be paying attention to in a passage like this? How should we consider ourselves then to be spiritually clean before God? And we don't maybe use that terminology all that often, clean. Um, similar word that maybe we do use more often is Pure. Now we talk about purity and what it means to be spiritually pure or pure before God. And maybe sometimes we confine that to certain issues or topics of discussion, things like sexual ethics, where we talk about purity and living a pure life. But purity, cleanliness, those, those things are, are close together. And in fact, for Old Testament Israel, for the time when Israel practiced sacrifices as their way of coming before God for forgiveness, cleanliness was at the center of that. It was at the heart of what it meant for them to be religious people, to be clean. When they would give sacrifices before God, they would choose from among their, their animals, their herds, animals that, that were clean, pure, unblemished, untainted, had no visible defects of any kind. They would bring those animals as offerings and sacrifices before God. And part of that religious tradition in the Old Testament then would be that bringing that unblemished, untainted, pure sacrifice before God would sort of be their symbolic way of receiving God's pure, unblemished, untainted righteousness in his forgiveness for them. That exchange that would take place. So the, the cleanliness, the purity that was at the heart of Old Testament Israel had to do with them achieving and finding the perfect righteousness of God in seeking God's forgiveness for their own sin. Those things are all tied together. So this, this cleanliness, this idea of being clean was at the heart of what it meant for them to be religious people. They were always striving to go after that standard of being clean before God, pure, holy, righteous. Those things all fit together. 
is one idea for them. That's what they're after here, this spiritual cleanliness. And so by the time that Jesus lives, you've got these religious leaders who know all the right things about how to make themselves look pure, clean, holy, righteous. They know all the right ways to make that look on the outside. And I, I suppose we should note that purity or cleanliness in itself is is not a bad thing. That's not what Jesus is criticizing here. It's not that being clean and pure and righteous and holy is bad. It has more to do with the focus. The focus of that purity, that cleanliness, and how that takes shape and what that looks like. Let's be honest. Uh, this is kind of a small West Michigan community with a whole lot of churches and feels like every single corner that you drive around here. We live in a community where we know how to look righteous, don't we? Let's be honest about that. We live in a community where we know what it takes to have the appearance of having everything lined up right so that we look like we are good, moral people with all the right behaviors. We know how to check all those boxes off to make it look that way. That's the community that we live in. Something about this passage that Jesus is bringing to those people who lived that way in his time, is not that far off from how we live in our community in our time. Let's recognize that. And let's pay attention then to what Jesus is after here. Because I think there's a message of good news in this for us. There's something in this for us that Jesus has for us. That's a good thing. And it has to do with that focus, that direction of our purity and where that shows up in our life and how that looks. So even though we know how to make ourselves look perfectly clean on the outside, the question that Jesus drives with this story is how to be clean on the inside. We know how to live spiritual lives that are washed and waxed and polished and the chrome sparkles and shines and glows. We know how to live spiritual lives that look like it's vacuumed and wiped down and no stains or imperfections, all the wrappers and trash are taken out. We know how to live spiritual lives that look that way. We all do. We've been brought up into that for some of us, or we've learned how to do that. It's been drilled into us. Jesus is pushing us one step beyond that today. It's not about being washed and waxed and polished, vacuumed and wiped down and cleaned out. It's not about those appearances on the outside. But it's what's in the engine, what's driving it, what makes your soul run and function and do what we need our spiritual lives to do. The oil changes, the the coolant levels, the radiator flush, the brake pads, all those things that are inside under the hood that maybe you don't see on the outside 
But if you don't pay attention to it, if, if you're not giving some regular attention to cleaning there, it's not going to run that long, is it? Just like that car that broke down because even though it was washed and waxed and polished and all things looked clean on the outside, if you never clean the engine on the inside, it's not going to go. So what does that look like? That's a question for us to consider today. What does my spiritual life look like on the inside? I, I think that's where this story is driving us, isn't it? That we would give some consideration, a little bit of thought today, not to do, uh, how do I look on the outside, all those habits and things that I go through. And, and again, I don't think Jesus is criticizing those as wrong. All he's saying is, but pay attention to the inside. Don't forget about that. Don't neglect that. That's important too. Consider what that looks like then. What does my spiritual life look like on the inside? Well, let's take just a little bit out of this passage here today to help us get into that. Because Jesus gives that a little bit of a mention in this story. He talks, and the example I'm going to use here is the example of, of giving, tithing, generosity. Because Jesus calls that one out as an example for these Pharisees, religious leaders. So you tithe, you give, and, and he picks just one of the tithes, a tithe of spices. So yeah, you give all the right tithes and you give all the right offerings and gifts of your spices, but, but here's what you forgot. And he mentions three things, doesn't he, in that section. He mentions it there in verse 25. We see it. Uh, that you, I'm sorry, in verse 23, that you give all that, the mint, the dill, the cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus names a few things there for us. Justice, mercy, faithfulness, tithing or giving or being generous towards that. Now, now I think we can make some connections here. I, I do think we can do that because I think that we are people who've been abundantly blessed enough that we have had opportunity where we have seen a need, a need that exists around us somehow. And we've said, you know what, I can give for that. I, I can help out where that need exists. And you know what? I'm giving it not because someone's making me do it, not because it's expected or required, but because I saw the need and my heart went towards that need and I had something I could give for that. And I don't need anything in return. In fact, they don't have to do anything in return. We've had those experiences. I think we know a little something of what that's like to embrace that. So a, a spiritually healthy giver is one who sees injustice taking place and says, what action can I take and what can I give so that justice would be obtained? A spiritually healthy giver then would look around and, and see oppression that takes place and would ask, what action, what can I give so that 
mercy can be obtained. A spiritually healthy person looks around and sees corruption and says, what action, what can I give so that faithfulness can be obtained? It's a focus on the fruit. We've talked about that in other series that I've preached on, about spiritual fruit. That the focus of the generosity that Jesus is driving in this is not just the act of checking off the boxes to say you did it, but a focus on the fruit that is produced because of it. That we focus on that. That gives us maybe just a little bit of a glimpse then, a little bit of a glimpse towards the inside, what it looks like to have my spiritual life tuned up on the inside, looking at the fruit that is produced and how that takes shape, particularly in giving to the lives of others. It's giving that bears the fruit of justice and mercy and faithfulness. That's the internal engine of our souls when it comes to generosity, giving. And and that's just one example. We could probably sit and make a list of so many other ways that we strive to live as God's people who are holy and righteous, not just in terms of generosity and giving, but all the other ways that we go about doing that in the lives that we live. It could go to some extent that way. And what does it look like to be clean on the inside then, pursuing that fruit that comes from Jesus. But how do we do this? How do we become people who are clean on the inside? I, I think that's the question that comes to this then when we consider what this looks like. So if we are people, and we, we admit this, we're people who know how to make it all look good on the outside. We are people who know how to have that spiritual life that looks washed and waxed and polished and vacuumed and cleaned out. We know how to do that. We don't need to think or talk about that. But how do we then get to be people who are cleaned on the inside? What does that take? How does that take shape in our lives? You know, I, maybe you've seen me walking around. I, often I have my favorite coffee mug with me. It's a 10-ounce insulated thermos cup that I use, and, and there's a reason why I use this one in particular. I mean, I like it, first of all, because it, it keeps hot things hot for hours or cold beverages cold for hours, and, and I use that for all of those things. So I'll sip coffee or tea out of it or lemonade or punch, and, and I go back and forth with that. But, but here's the thing, because coffee in particular, is one of those things that after a few cups of that, you know how there's that residue that sort of builds up inside of a mug or a cup where if you switch from coffee to something else, it's got that little bit of a bitter taste that comes because of what's built up inside of the mug there. Well, this is one where it's because of the size of my hands. I I can reach down and clean it. So because I use this for so many other kinds of beverages, it doesn't take much for me to just, yep, grab a paper towel in the kitchen and a little bit of soap and 
clean that all out and, and get that off. Or, or at home, I've got some of that special cleaner that really pulls off if it's stained and does that. But, but I can reach in and do that because this is a size that I can fit that in. I, I know many of others of you, I've seen you, that you've got more like the 20-ounce size tumblers of that. Yep, and they're all around here, yep. <laughs> I don't use one of those because I can't fit my hand in it. I can't clean it all the way out. All right, all right, I know what you're thinking. You know, they make scrubbers on a handle. You can do that, right? But I, you know, I, I have it here. I have it home. I have it other places. I just want to, in the kitchen, paper towel, grab it, clean it. Good, next beverage. I can go. So I don't use the bigger one because I can't clean it on the inside. I, I can't get my hand in there. That sludge that builds up, the staining that occurs, I can't get that out at least not on my own. I need someone with a smaller hand or I need one of those scrubbers on a handle. I need something like that. I think that's maybe what Jesus is after. That That's what he's telling us. That maybe he's highlighting for us when we ask that question. All right, I know how to make everything look great on the outside. I know how to look like I'm living the perfect religious life and my spiritual life is all in order on the outside But we have to be left at a place where we come to admit, I can't clean it on the inside. I can't do that. I can try and try and try, but but there's always going to be places that I just can't reach. And so the dirt, the stain, it's there. And I can't get it. I can't get that out. I think that's where Jesus is pointing us. That's what he wants us to see. That when it comes to being the kind of person who comes before God with a heart that Jesus desires for us to have before him, it comes in in ways where the first step we take is to be honest before Jesus and say, I can't do that. I, I can't be cleaned on my own the way that I know you want me to be cleaned. But that's where, that's where the gospel is such good news for us, isn't it? That's where the grace of God steps in. Because that's where everything that we read in the Bible and, and pull through in the songs that we sing and the prayers that we give, everything points us to know and remember that God says, I'll clean that for you. You don't have to clean inside of your soul because you can't but God says I can and guess what I did when Jesus came and gave everything to sacrifice himself on the cross he went to that deepest place inside of our souls that are stained dirty with sin and he said I've got that you're cleaned now And the perfect righteousness of Christ, pure, clean, holy, that righteousness of Christ is now there in its place. I can't clean the inside of my soul. I can't do that oil change and radiator flush and all those pieces of maintenance that I just can't. But God says, that's all right. 
Jesus does that. Only Jesus can purify my soul from the inside out. Only Jesus can do that. That leaves us today at a place of recognition. Recognition that, you know what, maybe we are people who this is the reminder for us today. Yeah, I, I've, I've been trying to check all the boxes. I've been trying to make it look so perfect. I've been spending so much of my time and energy and focus on, on the washing and the waxing and the polishing and the vacuuming and the cleaning. I'm making it look so good on the outside when all I really need to do is invite Jesus to clean the inside? Focus there, start there. Or maybe we find ourselves in that place today where where we're thinking, I've been trying and trying so hard to scrub and clean the inside of my own soul, but it's still dirty because any scrubbing that I do just can't take it away. Allow Jesus to do that. If you're a person who's never invited Jesus into your heart to clean your soul that way, don't wait. Do that today. Accept that. Let Jesus in to purify you from the inside to the out. If you're a person who's been living and trying over and over and over again to make yourself look perfect on the outside and neglected, forgotten, lost sight of, the miracle of Jesus cleaning you on the inside. Refresh that today. Remember that. Be pure and clean, not by anything we do, but by what God does, has done, and promises to always be there in his forgiveness for us. Do that today. Then, then the way that we live as God's people doesn't just show a polished cleanliness on the outside. The way that we live as God's people gives testimony. Testimony of what Jesus has done for us on the inside. Do that, and you'll have that spiritual tune-up that focuses on God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the way that you remind us of how all these efforts that we give on our own to be clean and pure before you on the outside, they they miss what's most important on the inside. And Lord, we're sorry for the times when we've focused on the wrong things. We're sorry for the times when we've tried over and over again to clean ourselves the inside and Lord may today we just fall into your arms and may that be a message of gospel hope for us that you've cleaned us in ways we never could we are pure now not by anything we've done but only by the blood of your sacrifice on the cross nothing but your blood and your sacrifice makes us whole again Thank you so much for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus.